1: Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today we have Bill DePriest. Uh, Bill is the owner of Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Magazine and also runs a charter called uh, Pacific Bill Charters. There you go. Almost messed that one up. Uh, we talk about his magazine on this podcast, which is really cool. He also runs a festival that we're going to be part of, and we also talk about his charter service. Um, another big thing is he's one of the guys that did really well last year doing the deep drop for swordfish. So that was a interesting breakdown. He has a lot of good, good uh, information. Well, to me, at least a noob, but, uh, yeah, check out his charter service, check the magazine out. Uh, and we're gonna do a little ad for him since, uh, we're going to be at the show. We have the original logo shirt. We're going to have the six pack and calico shirt, and then we have a brand new one, which is going to get released tomorrow on Instagram. The brand new shirt will only be uh, available at the show. It's going to be a limited release. So come down, check it out. You're also going to see a lot of guys down there doing podcasts. Uh, Eric, uh, Linus, Fine, um, hopefully Decker comes on. Uh, you got Woody from Mutiny, uh, CJ Conrad, Cool Baits, Brittany Bassett, and my buddy Mark, some of my hardcore buddies that were in pretty big bands are going to come down because they're also pretty avid fishermen. So we're going to do another kind of crossover one, but, uh, oh, and uh, Jeff Walker, native son captain. So come down, check it out. And here's a quick little commercial for you guys. So you could, uh, know what's going on. Take a listen, kick off the 2020 fishing season with the Pacific coast sport fishing tackle boat and travel show, February 14th through 16th at the OC fair and Defense center. Tons of great tackle dealers, top fishing boats and destinations from central America to British Columbia. Fun for the family with free kids catch and release trout pond, the most in-depth and informative seminars on the coast with top captains from around the industry and hosted by legendary captain Todd Manser. There are free seminars for all fishermen from deep drop swordfish with captain Nate Perez, Charlie Albright, Michael Maddox, and Frank Gagliano and trophy bluefin with Billy Kay, Eric Lannisfine, and Jimmy Decker. We cover from coastal bass to exotics at Catalina with top skipper, captain Joe Berrien. Raffle prizes such as a three-day fishing, four-day night trip to Tropic Star Lodge, Pamina, worth just under $10,000 that will be raffled off Saturday at 4 p.m., must be present to win. Friday at 4, we will give away a Traeger grill must be present to win, then Sunday we will be doing a drawing for a swordfish charter aboard Pacific Bills for two anglers to fish local deep drop swordfish valued at 1950. So come out to the Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Show and check out the new tackle, great boats, and learn from the best in the business. February 14th through 16th at the OC Fair and Event Center, 12 to 5 on Friday, 10 to 5 on Saturday and Sunday. Visit online at sportfishingfestival.com for more information. All right, I hope you guys like this uh, episode, and stay tuned. Next week will be Alan Watson, Melissa Perez, and Dominic McPeskidwell. Thanks. We already started. We can start like that. Okay. (laughs) So uh, let's talk. One of the main points we want to talk about is your show, because, Bill, I'm going to have a booth at the show this year which is cool. I'm super stoked, and we're going to celebrate our 100th podcast at uh, the show this year. So let's talk about uh, the dates it's at, the times, what goes on, some of the uh, people that are going to be on the show.
0: So uh, we're on our 11th year at the Orange County Fairgrounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, The show's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The hour's on Friday, 12 to 5, and then uh, 10 to 5, Saturday and Sunday.
1: So people can come celebrate Valentine's Day with their valentines at the show. Yeah, we we're closing a little bit early on Friday to make
0: sure that's okay for that, people. Did you
1: do that for the wife?
0: Yeah, we adjust, not for my wife. My wife doesn't like me, <laughs> but uh, we we adjusted to to make everyone else happy. So so our our show has been been based on um, giving a little bit of a different opportunity. It's it's very private boater based, um, and it's based on giving out really really um, good information. You know, our seminars are what what we charged years and years ago. We charged like $150 a person to do these specialized seminars. Uh-huh. And um, when we started doing the show, we went ahead and, um, you know, brought in the same caliber of guys to give the information and, and cover topics that are super specialized that you can't just bring in, you know, a random guy that's sponsored by, you know, a certain real company to just do it because he's a fisherman.
1: No, I, I agree. I mean, some of the guys you've had on, like even in the past, you want to name some people that've been on the show.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've had Dwayne Diego, Jay Chris, um, Greg Trompas. We've had Todd Manser. We've had Steve Lasley at our show. We've had you know you can name just about any captain. Yeah, that, that's well known. Um, that 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 has good information, and um, we've had them out. Who's uh, going to be on the show this year? So this year, um, we're going to have a couple of specialized seminars. Uh, our swordfish stuff is going to be covered by um, uh, by Nate Perez. He's a, he's a captain of a, a buoy boat, okay, a, a deep drop buoy boat that's um, been commercially fishing these things for years. Everything from, you know, harpoon to gill net to, you know, the, the whole gamut. And mm-hmm. he is um, incredibly knowledgeable. And um, Michael Maddox, who was a deckhand on, on one of the boats he worked on, uh, who did a lot of the bait rigging and stuff? They have a company now called um, SoCal Deep Drop, mm-hmm. where they're kind of letting people in on how to how to rig their baits by selling them, you know, direct rig baits exactly the way they do it. Uh, Todd Manser will be the host for that. He's he's comes from a long line of harpoon fishermen. He ran a harpoon boat for years.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, super knowledgeable, super knowledgeable guy. Um, and then there's a guy named Frank Gagliano who has been catching these things on rod and reel for a few years, real quietly. He came out to our show for a seminar a couple of years ago, um, but he's been catching them. People kind of looked at him like, ah, I don't know if that guy's really doing it the way we think he is, and he is, and he's been catching them for years.
1: Yeah, that's cool, man.
0: Super nice guy.
1: Yeah, so uh, is there going to be like a seminar every day or something like, like yeah, that? Yeah, so what
0: we do Saturday and Sunday, we'll start off with a Bluefin seminar that's going to be hosted um, by Todd Manser. Okay. From the boardroom. Yeah. And um, he will have, uh, Billy Kay will be there talking about the big bluefin deal. And then um, Eric and Jimmy will be covering. So we've always kind of covered the the giant bluefin thing with the, you know, the yummy or the, the um, G-fly flying fish. Yeah. And what we're going to do is this year, we're going to kind of split it off and do the big stuff. And then also cover that 60 to 100 pound fish. Okay. That is more of the, you know, the average Joe guy can go and find it. It's close to home. It eats the surface, the surface plugs, which... You know, Eric and, and uh, Jimmy are experts at. Yeah, you know, they've these been summer. killing it these Yeah, <laughs> they run out in the afternoons and, and catch that stuff. So they're going to cover that segment, and Billy's going to cover the the changes in the in the big bluefin stuff because every year there seems to be a new technique, a new idea, a new, you know, something that makes that elite guy catch more fish.
1: And I feel like even with the bluefin thing, you could have a small boat, right, and kind of run after him even. Because, like, I, I remember I pulled out with my buddy Phil – and Decker's leaving and goes, where are you going, buddy? And I'm like, I got to go home. He's like, Get the fuck back out there! You know they're out, they're biting, not that far out. And I'm like, I got to go, dude. I don't have any gear for bluefin, you know. Like, right. But I, I, feel like you can do it on a small boat too, and maybe these seminars will help you like figure out how to do it. Like I'd love to catch one on my boat. It's fucking small.
0: Yeah, when we were deep, know? when we were deep dropping in, in uh, November near Thanksgiving, we were uh, just above Newport there, and um, we had. 60 to 100 pound bluefin jumping around the boat every day for a week straight it's wild guys kind of got on it and started showing up and throwing the plug on it and then the the sport boat guys were doing fun trips and running out and getting them but (laughs) there's local stuff i mean two years ago january 1st we had them you know a half a mile off the pier there boiling around the boat in the winter time that is
1: wild i had little
0: kids on the boat we were fishing you know a sheephead and fun white fish and stuff on the pipe. And we had that stuff boiling all around the boat. So that local stuff is definitely something that people need to learn how to get on and how to do it correctly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: So our third, our third seminar on, on Saturday and Sunday is based on Catalina. And I know everyone says, Oh, you know, Catalina's Catalina, but this last year, Catalina fished completely differently. And we're going to have uh, Joe Berrien who used to own bongos. He's one of the most legit captains that's, that's ever ran six pack boats in our area. Mm-hmm. And, um, him and Todd Manser are going to go all through the island and and how they fished it this year on the charter boats, great on on the smaller private boat type six pack four pack style, um, but the island fished completely different. You know, you could have a tank full of squid and the guy next to you crushed it on the sardine and you weren't catching anything. Yeah, so it definitely it was a completely different island. It fished as well as Clementi. We had huge yellows there. The schools of yellows were there the entire summer. It was, um, I don't like Catalina personally. I've fished San Clemente since I was a kid mm-hmm. and that's where I prefer to fish. And this year I took all of my charters that I would have fished Clemente to Catalina cause it was better fishing.
1: Wow. That's nice.
0: It it's was a good little fishing. closer too, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know much. I'm a fucking noob. So you oh. stupid noob questions. Just bear with me, please. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Uh, so let's talk about how long you've been doing the whole magazine for, like how it all came about mm-hmm. and stuff too. Because that's where this whole thing comes out of is the magazine, correct?
0: The sure. Show, yeah. Sure. So I, um, I've been reading the magazine since I was a little kid. There's a, there's a picture of me sitting in the hospital in in sixth grade. I was dying of pneumonia with a collapsed lung. Oh man. And there's a picture of me laying there with a, a issue of the magazine that I've always had since I was a kid. And um, you I still worked,
1: have that that issue.
0: I still have that picture, you but don't not have the not issue? that issue. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I was little. I probably tore shit apart. Um, so. Uh, I ended up. I worked. I went to Cal State Fullerton, and the years that I was at Cal State Fullerton, I was at a job um, selling racing stuff for jet skis and and motorcycles, and neither one of them I had ever ridden Where or done anything at? with. It was uh, just right by the by the college over there in Fullerton. Mm-hmm. It was called Lindvik Products back okay. in the day. It's it's not around anymore. But um, right before I graduated, the the owner of the company kind of did the hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise you up. I'm gonna make you a manager here, and all this. And, um, he kept kind of stringing me along. And, and one day I went to him and pressed him real hard and he offered me, you know, like $2 raise or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, I was actually leaving for mammoth to go fly fishing and I canceled my trip and I answered an ad to to be a sales guy at the magazine when I was, I, was, I guess I was 22. Wow. And, um, the owner told me, he's like, oh, I already, I already hired somebody. I, I really don't need anybody. And, um, I pressed him real hard and just said, Hey, I want to come in and meet you anyway. And, Brought in my photo album and all the stuff I had done, and and ended up hiring me. And the next week I started there. What and, did you start uh, doing? Started in sales. Okay. So he had just recently bought the magazine, and um, he spent a lot of his time at his ranch up in Idaho. So I started there, and I think I was there for a month. And he walked in one day and said, "Hey, I'll see you tomorrow." And uh, he left, and I didn't see him for three or four months. Wow, it was a long time. He 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 just trusted that we were going to get shit done and um it's like there, kind of
1: stressful like starting a new job like that and being like all right have at it make sure you do this shit right and yeah. the guy bailing
0: yeah and and the guy that was hired before me was walked out the door the day i walked in which was just oh. like extremely uncomfortable <laughs> i'm a young kid i don't want anybody to lose a job right, you know right. it's really really uncomfortable and um within you know a short period of time i took over as the publisher and started running the magazine for him wow and uh i guess that was in 2003 wow so I've seen this industry, you know, as far as the print side of it changed, you know, it's changed dramatically. You know, we've seen websites come and go with the the yeah, all coast and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And it's been real interesting, but, um, I think our, our print always will have a place in our, in our area.
1: Yeah, definitely. So when you, when did you get a little more into the magazine, like, um, so you started in sales, and when did you kind of move up to a different position like just I want to know like the timeline kind of like how you own the magazine now, correct? I do okay, so I want to kind of know the timeline okay, so
0: it's interesting to me and I'm sure fans like would like to know so within about six months of of working there, he started kind of delegating me to do the jobs that were the publisher job, mm-hmm. and um I think I put in six months of just doing that without a title or anything doing it with nobody knowing that I was doing it there. And, um, finally he sat me down and he goes, you want to become the publisher of the magazine? And (laughs) I was a young, stupid kid and there wasn't a big raise or anything involved in it. And I said, wow, that sounds great. And I found myself, you know, a year and a half into it making the same and, and kind of running this thing. And I I finally sat him down and, um, my wife was actually pregnant with our first kid and I, I walked into his office and I'm the guy that doesn't tell people what's going on. I asked for a raise because I'm doing a good job, not Mm -hmm. because I have more expense. Yeah. So I sat him down and said, Hey, here's the deal. I'm doing a good job. This is where I'm at. I need to make this. And, um, he agreed to it. And, you know, five minutes later I said, Hey, and I'm having a kid too, you know, (laughs) but I try not to, I hate that when people go, Hey, I just bought a house. I need to make more money. No, no. It's like, dude, do do you do any more? Let me see what
1: you're doing. Yeah. Right. So I I laid out a big thing
0: on what I had been up to. And, um, so from there I started, you know, continuing doing the publisher thing. And then, um, about three years ago, I bought the trade show and the magazine from him. So you've been a publisher for ten, more than that, fifteen years, fifteen years, or sixteen years, something and like then that. Now,
1: are you still doing the publisher work as yeah. owner?
0: Yeah, 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 I'm still okay. I'm still running the magazine on day to day and all that. Um, Scott's my my main sales guy, and then we have an art director and and then all of our writers that write for us. So.
1: And you have some some of your writers like even Eric Lannis has been there? yeah Eric's
0: one of my main guys that yeah. he writes in just about every issue. Uh-huh. The thing is once we found people that are super educated in what they're doing, can write well, have great photography, people enjoy reading the same guys. Yeah, you know we used to try to really draw from a completely different audience all the t- you know a new group of writers and to be honest, there's very few people that can do what Eric does, what Bob Hoos does. You know, we have a few guys that are consistently doing an excellent job for us. So,
1: and we, you're doing a little bit of everything, not just offshore stuff. Like you did the one with Edgar Poe, it was really cool. You did the one with Bobby and Garrett; that was a really cool one. You guys had different, you know.
0: Yeah, we try to cover everything from, you know, surf fishing to to the biggest black marlin stuff. Yeah, which is what my kind of my expertise was early on with the magazine. Is I did a lot of travel, mm-hmm. so I would, you know, early on in my career, I would be. You know, I went and took my dad to the Great Barrier Reef for two weeks. Wow. Went and fished 1,000-pound black marlin back there. You know, I've had these experiences in different areas. And the biggest thing for me is my dad. So we have five kids in my family, and um he put us all through college, did all of our, you know, insurance and everything. And mm-hmm. he never could afford to do a long-range trip. He always wanted to catch a 200-pound tuna. That was like his... Since I was a little kid, that's all he talked about. But your
1: dad was a big fisherman when you were younger.
0: He was. I think when like he- he
1: loved it. He, that's what he did.
0: Yeah. Okay. and he, And he used to, as I grew up, there was the, the opportunity for a big guy on the sport boats. And he would carry, he always had a sports car. He's kind of a, you know, it was a, a Mustang or whatever yeah. it was. He had a, a Cobra Mustang and all that. But he would always carry a trash can in his- trunk of his car and that was for when he got his 100, 100 plus pound tuna was coming back in the trash can
1: that's awesome and dude. he never he never
0: got it so when i when i started the magazine my first goal was to take him to do the things that he's always wanted to do yeah so my very first thing i did is i booked him and i on a 16 day trip on the red rooster oh shit and we went out with andy cates and and um went to hurricane bank i got my first cow was a 236 pounder and then wow. um, i got my dad one right at 200 pounds yeah and um that was like a huge goal of mine is to let him see all the things that he wanted to, but put everything into us.
1: That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That must've felt really good to like put your dad on, on that fish that he would wanted so long, you know?
0: Oh, huge, huge.
1: <laughs> Do you still fish with your dad a lot?
0: Yeah. So dad, dad's been with me, you know, we've been to Prince Edward Island. I've got him thousand pound bluefin. He's got 950 pound uh, black marlin on the reef. Wow. He's been to Panama with me 10 or 12 times, the Tropic Star. Um, <sighs> He used to go back when we did the Florida thing. He was with me all the time. So, and he still, to this day, the first the first good swordfish trip we had this year was with my dad. And my dad caught three in one day. Had three to the boat. We killed two, and one of them we um, pulled the hooks at. Yeah, the the second fish we pulled the hooks at the boat before we could put a gaff in it. So we had three to boat side by one o'clock, and my dad caught all of them himself. So (laughs) that's awesome. everyone's like, "How come you didn't catch one?" I'm like, (laughs) "I want my dad to do it." Hey, I don't give a
1: shit. My dad's going to do it. Right? I want my Um, dad to do it and you've done something a little different with the swordfish thing i i mean you it looks like you killed it this year from what i've seen on pictures you did pretty
0: good yeah we had a we had a fun little end of the year there um i think it's been a lot of guys have jumped on it it's been a new exciting thing for us we've been playing around with this for god i mean since the early 2000s wow
1: so i mean it looks i mean if you look at instagram which that's what people are looking at it looks like it's pretty new you know like in the last couple of years but the bite's been there
0: i don't know that the the the, we, we had it dialed. We didn't have it dialed for, for certain reasons. So back in early 2000s, I got word that you could go back to Florida and catch a swordfish. Like it wasn't, I mean, out here, it's the Holy Grail. You wait your whole life for one fish, you know? And I, I got word from one of my buddies that owned a magazine back there that um, you could fly back, fish in the evening time, and get a fish. Yeah. And I thought, you got to be kidding me, you know? So we, JetBlue, had $99 for a round trip. So Dad and I, we, we set up through a guy that now is a very good friend of mine. His name's Corey Berlew. He runs a boat called uh, Grimm's Revenge. Uh-huh. And it used to be called the Reaper. He had a, he had a 55 Ocean that was called the Reaper. And uh, he did commercial, and he did charters a little bit. And uh, he was the top release captain for Swordfish, for the AFCO, for the Bill Fish Foundation, for everything. And that included, I mean, if you look at, he was out fishing everybody in releases. Think about wow. how many he caught Yeah, you know I mean that he was catching and yeah. selling or whatever. So Dad and I flew back. And, uh, our first night back there, I got one that was like 150 pounds in the first hour that we were drifting in the Gulf stream. And, uh, I was blown away by it. And the next night when we went out, it was super rough. We couldn't fish and we flew back, but we were hooked and I needed to get my dad one. Mm-hmm. So we flew back the next weekend. Wow. We you guys were on it. Huh? Yeah. We started flying back. Were you married at this time? I was married, but no kids so I would I would Key fly word no case yeah. so I would fly back that's when my wife actually liked me
1: <laughs> hey I'm there with you
0: so so we um we would fly back on Friday night we'd, we'd do the red eye out of Long Beach and we'd leave Friday night at I think it was like 11 o'clock we'd land there at 6 we'd go meet him we'd get on the boat and then we'd do some fun daytime stuff and then we'd do these night drifts and catch swordfish. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had, you know, we had nights where we caught five or six in a night, you know, it was, Shit. it was like, wow, dude, something that we I've never even seen a swordfish in person. And are you deep
1: dropping over there too?
0: So that was, we were night, night drifting, Okay, which is shallow. The fish are up. We'd tease them into the lights. You could see them eat the baits 50 feet below the boat. Fuck, it was, it was awesome. really cool. It yeah. was, it was different. And, um, and a few years into us doing that and learning all the techniques, we, um, we started doing some seminars out here and trying to get guys to do it. And I had found out that, that Mike, the beak who is the ultimate captain in my eyes, I I look up to the guy. He's amazing. Uh Um, he had put together a group of guys with these East coast techniques and tried to do some night drifts and they just couldn't get it done. It just, I think they had shark problems and all kinds of shit was was in the way. So we kind of, we did some night drifts and just never had a a lot of success, but we kept flying back and hanging out with him and, and doing it. You know, we helped him commercially and had a good time. And, um, one day he called me and he says, hey, he says, we're doing this this um, deep drop thing. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. But I was out there at ICAST and he goes, hey, if you want to get in your car and come up here, he goes, I'll get you a big one deep drop. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what the hell this is. <laughs> but he, he, he told me, he's like, come up, you'll, you'll dig it. Yeah. So Scott and I got in the car from, I left a day early from ICAST. I probably didn't tell the owner at the time. <laughs> I left a day early and we headed up and, and we actually left in the middle of, um, her, uh, tornado warnings, oh
1: shit. and I don't
0: even know what the hell a tornado warning is, so here i'm driving this little shitty rental car, <laughs> and I'm hauling ass because I'm trying to meet my buddy to get on the boat, yeah, and we're driving and everyone's pulled over to the side of the road, hiding under overpasses and shit and we just kept going we were going sword fishing i didn't care yeah and uh, all of a sudden a lightning strike hit right behind the car and lifted <gasps> the back of the car. i swear to god the <laughs> back of the car lifted off the ground no way, i don't know if dude. it really did scott will agree with me <laughs> but um we got through it we got up to to lauderdale and You're like um,
1: movie twister huh fucking it was scary I,
0: I didn't even i didn't even know they had An those five, there. bro i thought it was kind of bullshit i'm like I, everyone's scared you know <laughs> so we got up to lauderdale and we got on the boat the next morning and he pulls out this big, giant electric reel with kind of the similar setup that we were fishing swordfish at night with, but there's a little different tweak to it. And uh, we went out in the Gulf Stream. We set the shit out. And uh, within you know 20 minutes, he's, he's yelling at me and telling me I need to stare at the rod tip. And I'm thinking, stare at the rod tip is a fucking swordfish. Like, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna bend that thing over. I don't yeah. need to be staring at yeah. it. I'm, I'm not a fool, you know? But he said, no, you need to stare at it. So uh, about an hour into it, the rod tip bounced... Something similar to like, maybe like a little red, mm-hmm. like you're fishing rockfish and a little red taps it. Yeah. And he leaped out of his seat like he had seen a ghost came shooting over and he starts pushing these buttons. This is a big electric reel. And he starts pushing this button and all of a sudden we're tight. Fuck. And then the rod goes completely slack. And I look at him and I'm like, oh my God, you know, we, we lost yeah. him. Yeah. And he's got a big smile on his face. And he just handed over the button to me. And he goes, are you man enough to push the button? I said, okay. <laughs> so I, I, I pushed the button. And I held it down until it got to about 150 feet, right at the thermal climb there. And it hunkered in. Then it was the rod was bent over. And we were on. And I didn't understand. When they eat the bait, they swim to the surface. And you know, we learned all this stuff. It was yeah. 15 years ago, you know. And um, he ended up, he was fishing these giant leaders, 150-foot leaders that he had to handline himself so we got the fish to leader and he was on leader by hand for I think an hour and 30 minutes shit. back and forth with all this line laying on the deck. I thought he was going to get killed. That was the craziest yeah. shit I've ever seen. How
1: heavy was the line?
0: Uh, it's he's fishing like two fifty, three hundred 300 Fuck. mono. Yeah. Um so we finally got the fish up. Like 290 something. Really nice one. Slapped it on the deck and I am just believing. Yeah. <laughs> I am believing. And um we dropped back down and had a 150, 170 pounder for Scott right away. Came to the boat. We pulled the hooks on it real quick. And that was kind of my first deep drop in Florida experience. Mm -hmm. But we had, he had kind of explained to me the process and told me about it. And before we went out there, I had a buddy that, that had some money and he said, look, man, he said, I'll pay the fuel bill, but let's do like, a dozen to 15 trips in a row of this. Don't look at the kelps. Don't look at anything. Let's just go sword fishing. This is locally. Deep drop. Exactly. Okay. This is like And two, what year is this? 2005 maybe. Oh, this is fucking
1: cool, man. A long time hear, ago. Like, you
0: know? So we decided we were going to focus in on this shit, right? Because yeah. the guys in Venezuela had been doing it. We had read about the Venezuela stuff and we're like, okay, so this is something we can do. So I went and got one of those um, mail carrier... Things and I filled it with bricks because we were doing the break-off weight. You know, we had all these different ways what we were going to do this.
1: I don't, so, I'm pretty... So, in Venezuela, just, they yeah. use
0: like a bag of rocks. Uh-huh. And they'll drop on a high spot. There's not a lot of current. So, they'll go in, they'll drop on a high spot. And they will drop to the bottom, break off the rocks, and then just slowly work that bait through the water column to the surface. And they were catching swordfish doing it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Nice fish. So, we decided we were going to try that. And I had information from some of the top stick boats. I knew where the fish were. Yeah. And we spent probably i think it was 12 or 13 trips but we had a problem with giant squid on the banks on every bank and i'm not talking about the years where you know you hear about all these 40 50 pounders on the half day boats it's not that not not the normal giant squid stuff but we had these medium sized squid that were probably four to six pounds that lived on every bank i literally could stop any bank any high spot anywhere drop my shit down to my depth that i was fishing and within seconds the rod tip would bounce and your bait was gone and we'd bring it up and we'd do it again and we were yeah. hand cranking everything we didn't have electric reels or anything exciting and um one day we were on the 209 and scott on the leslie am was was next to us and we kept finding fish we had a couple sets of gyros out and we had the deep drop stuff out and we i mean we're like hey we got another one over here he'd run over and stick one and we did that for a while and all of a sudden the rod bounced up and down and we thought it was just squid started cranking and uh the fish barely pulled anything. It didn't do anything. Yeah. And this is before I had caught one in Florida on the deep drop. And I oh, thought, wow. I thought, oh, shit, this is some little crappy shark. We screwed up. Yeah. We got garbage. And about halfway up, it pulled off. And we pulled the hook. And I looked at the bait and went, wow, it looks like it's slashed. But it must have been like a 20-pounder. Yeah. I don't know what the hell this was. Yeah. So we didn't think twice about it. We kept doing what we were doing. And then that couple weeks later, I went back and fished with him on that trip and oh, so um, that's cool so and that fish came right and to the together, surface and
1: you're like this is fucking it this i already had it. one yeah, yeah, yeah. We,
0: we hooked a fish in 2005 yeah, or whatever it was yeah. we had one on him we had no clue we oh, didn't know what the shit. hell we were doing yeah we're waiting for the rod to bend over and instead the rod goes slack mm-hmm. so that was kind of our entry into it and then we just kept flying back and learning from cory you know and i think he's probably one of the best sword fishermen back in florida And a lot of the guys that are well-known back there actually deckhanded for him or worked for him and learned from him. So we were frustrated. You know, we did it for years. We did seminars on it. We've done seminars at our show. We had the booby trap guys out from Texas. Those guys are incredible. They catch tons of them in Florida Mm -hmm. and they came out and tried it and hooked a few oddball things that they fought for a long time. Nobody ever saw them. Um, But it just kind of fell wayside to, to other stuff.
1: And this is 2005, six, seven. Well,
0: then, it, yeah, it's gone on with years. Okay. And then um, this last year, you know, I started meeting up with some of the, the buoy gear guys that have been commercially fishing them. So what happened is Flager Institute, Chugi Sepulveda, they started doing this research. They started tagging swordfish, figuring out what depths they live in. Mm-hmm. What they were trying to do is open up more fisheries for the harpoon guys and stuff to be able to catch more fish and sustainably and um, without bycatch.
1: So the harpoon guys are just harpooning fish.
0: They're harpooning fish, but you got to remember: once they're doing these studies, they're seeing that these fish live on the surface for, you know, a tiny, tiny percentage of their life. They don't. They don't live on the surface. They yeah. live deep. So they did all this research, figuring out what depth that are these they fish only, live. Out. Now,
1: when they're living on the surface, are they a certain age? No, they they're certain-
0: getting ready to take a dump. So oh. they they feed <laughs> they feed at a certain depth. Yeah, and they fill up their guts and they're all pumped up, yeah. but they can't digest food and. 40 degree water or okay. whatever it is down there. Yeah. So they come up on the surface, they catch the warmth, they get that warm water going, they get the digest going, take a big dump and they go back down. Okay. So in Florida, they don't need to come to the surface to hit that warm enough water to digest. So you don't see fish finning all over There's so swordfish you everywhere. Can't
1: harpoon in Florida. Really, It's not going to every
0: once in a while they see one okay. up on the surface, but right. it is not, it is not a fishery. It's not like, Oh wow, I'm going to bait yeah. a swordfish on the surface. You don't see them because they don't need to come that they're not happy in that upper level. we were just having a conversation the other day, me and, um A commercial guy that's dealing with trying to do different techniques at the side of the boat. And I told him, I said, when we fished them in Florida, you get a 300 pounder to the boat, you just put a straight gaff in it. Maybe a harpoon if you needed to. But they didn't go crazy like they do here. They go wild. It's that warm water. They just lay there. Yeah. Do you You see see the guys gaff them and flip them up on the boat? Do you see that bloody Vex
1: video they put up? No. The dude pulls up a halibut. And they fucking start
0: shooting it. Oh, I did bam, see that. I did like, see that. Oh, yeah, it's I don't crazy. think I don't think we're supposed to do that. No, here. I'm right. I don't think we're supposed <laughs> to do that here. And in, in Alaska, they do that yeah, with the halibut right. <laughs> a little bit. But um, yeah, so we were we were super frustrated with this stuff, and we started talking to some of these guys, and and so Chugi's doing this research. They got the numbers. They figured out the depths, mm-hmm. and then they wanted to figure out a new way to fish these things to kind of you know open up some new fisheries. So. You know, they started testing out new techniques. He flew back and fished with my buddy, Corey. They spent a couple of days because he was buoy fishing at night there. Mm-hmm. That's a commercial style that they do back there at night. And, um, he kind of walked them through what he was doing and, um, they flew back and came up with their own techniques and stuff. And they started this, this deep drop, deep set buoy gear. Mm-hmm. And, um, the commercial guys, they, I think they put out permits to a few of these guys to test it out. And, um, the results were pretty damn good you know, they're catching fish. It's not full speed. You and know? this is a couple of years ago. This is a few, yeah, a ways back. But I just
1: like hearing timeline because I think it's really cool yeah. to break down like when it kind of really happened. So and it's when it really it's been through.
0: around for a while. Okay. And what happened is we, to be honest with you, I, I got focused on fishing Marlin and Marlin tournaments and, and, uh, we just didn't want to give up the time anymore because yeah. we didn't have a lot of success. It was sad. You know, it was a, we put in a lot of time. I mean, I, I see some of these guys go out and then bang, they catch one. They're like, "Wow, this is so easy!" It's like, man, we put in twenty days. Do you think it's easy now days. though?
1: Because uh, everything changed.
0: The difference now is that a few things. The research that was put in to give us the depth range is a little bit better. So, and in, you
1: were you weren't fishing that depth
0: then? We were to a point, but but we fished Florida style, and Florida style is you know it could be eighteen hundred feet, it could be fourteen hundred feet. You drop to the bottom, you crank up. You know, 15 cranks, and that's where you're fishing. It was always within a certain range of the bottom. Mm-hmm. Our fishery here, the fish are feeding on a lot of bait that moves around. It's not sitting on the bottom. So it's a completely different, that was one of the big lead-in things for us, is seeing that the depth that they're feeding at is not the same as in Florida. Yes. It's completely different, right? The rigs work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All of my technique stuff all came from learning from Corey. We've made slight adjustments to things, but what worked there, it works here. Okay. There's no question. Yeah. That's not a problem. Uh-huh. Um, so once they kind of dialed that in, uh, there's a couple of guys that played around with it. That Frank Gagliano guy, I mean, Okay, he should get some credit. I mean, he put in, he put in some time personally, caught some fish. I think people looked at it and kind of went, nah, you know, I heard some rumors that he was doing something and it wasn't true. He was, he was straight up doing it right. Yeah. You knew and it, and he was he, catching fish. You were fish. talking to him Yeah. And he about, was yeah. catching okay. fish. Was a nice guy. We had him come out to our show and talk a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and he kind of stayed steady with it. And, uh, this last year, you know, Charlie Albright and his dad were up, um, Is in the Charlie, masters. that
1: uh, the guy from Cousins?
0: Yeah. Now they have the skirt company, okay, yeah, him yeah, and Bill. Yeah. And, um, him and his dad, his dad used to run a, I think he had a harpoon boat back in the day. Okay. So he had some areas up north that he was really interested in. And they went up there and they produced, I don't know if they produced four fish in three days or something like that, but it was mind boggling. Nobody had seen anything like yeah. it. And um, uh, Michael Maddox, the one that's doing the SoCal deep drop that worked on the buoy boat, mm-hmm. he went out locally and caught one. Wow. And I'm like, wow. But I didn't know, <laughs> I knew Michael a little bit. I'd known him when he was yeah. younger, but I didn't hit him up like, hey, what do we do? So I took my techniques and my shit and, and uh, started playing around at some deep different spots and uh, our first trip we hung one and the rod went slack it did everything that I thought it did in Florida and um, I was fishing a circle hook and my biggest mistake was see, in Florida we always fish J hooks and it was always hurry up and come tight get the get the rod and gear yeah so are I. are you fishing
1: r- electric reels now
0: no and I was driving away from it, so I saw it went slack. I said, "Shit, my dad's not gonna be able to catch up. He's seventy-four years old." Yeah, I'm gonna drive away. Yeah, and I drove until we came tight, and we pulled a hook. Oh, and I was like, "Wow, I just had a swordfish!" On <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what I did wrong, but yeah. I, it's it's not. But I was doing this circle hook thing out here. Yeah. So and I'd never fished swordfish with circle hook. We fished all J hook back there. Mm-hmm. So again, you got to learn the new techniques. You got to put in your time. So the next trip out, we hooked a big eye thrasher. And that's a completely different bite. The rod bends over and does what you would think a swordfish should do. Yeah. And let me tell you, if if the rod, if you're deep dropping and the rod bends over and starts screaming out line, ninety nine percent of the time you're in trouble. It's yeah. a big eye thresher. Yeah. And there's no food value. It's a killer fish. It's amazing. It's neat if you get them up, cut them loose and let them go. Yeah. The commercial guys don't keep them. Nobody keeps them. Okay. They're not the same as a common thresher. They do not taste good. It's not something you want to keep, cut mm-hmm. it off, but it's a bitch and fish. It pulls yeah. hard. It's yeah. really cool. How many guys do you know that have caught a big eye thresher? <laughs> Pretty neat.
1: Yeah, right. Get so, some cool pictures, I'm sure. So and, we yeah.
0: did that, and then um, I was tied up doing bluefin charters, and uh, I really didn't get back to it for a while. And uh, come November, we kind of had an opportunity to spend a couple days with my dad and do it, and we did it, and we did, um, we did a few trips and, uh, you know, we couldn't get a bite. We had, we had three or four trips in a row that we'd, we'd get a bite or we wouldn't, and it just wasn't happening. And, uh, that first day, November 14th, my dad and I were out and it just this is November 14th of last year.
1: Wow. That's cool, man. And
0: this just, it clicked. So the first, uh, you know, <laughs> within, within an hour, we got the right bite. It was on the buoy with the, with the Michael Maddox SoCal deep drop bait. On the circle hook. The
1: Michael Maddox SoCal deep drop base at the pre-rigged one?
0: The pre-rigged ones. Okay. Right. So I'm like, hey, these guys have been successful.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming
0: them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With Kizik Hans' free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I'm just going to do what they're doing. Okay. So I was doing it in conjunction with my techniques on the deep, on the, the tip rod. So the first fish did exactly what Michael told me it would do when it came to the boat. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, it's a scary fish. It's not a it's not a tuna. It doesn't just do circles and lay there. Um, it, it charges the boat. They do all kinds of crazy shit. So we, the <laughs> oh, first man. one came to the boat, we threw the flyer in it, got the tail rope, Texted everybody. We knew <laughs> excited out of my mind. Dad got his first swordfish locally stoked. So we, um, tied it off, you know, and, and went back up and I'm like, man, I think we can get another bite. Yeah. Cause now I'm confident. I know what I'm doing. So we slid back up, put the stuff out and within 45 minutes we were on again. And wow. I'm like, wow, this is not what I expected. So we got that fish boat side. And at that point, I'm like, man, I really want some marketing footage for the boat to, to do charters. I want people to see what we're doing. People aren't going to believe what we're doing. Yeah. So I had, a, I had the second fish wrapped up in the leader boat side laying there. And I reached back, pushed on the GoPro. And I turned back around and it dumped its head down and we pulled the hook. Oh, and I'm like, holy shit. So I have one dead in the bag on ice. I have one that we just pulled the hook yeah. and I'm like, dude, I got to prove we can catch another one. We, we caught two. We brought it to the boat. Any other billfish on leader that's caught fish. Yeah. But in this game, we're trying to eat fish, you know, <laughs> they're, they're good eating. So, Hey, I'll find out later. Yeah. I got you a couple pieces. <laughs> so we, um, put the gear back out yeah. and within 45 minutes tip rods going crazy. And we're again, we're on another one. So we got that fish in pretty quick. And, um, that was about one o'clock. we, we, got that one tied off to the boat and we were done. You know, we had had enough. I would have released more fish or try. We weren't going to keep any more. Um, but the wind was going to come up and I was proud of my dad and I wanted to go get some cool pictures with him and I, um, so That's we, so
1: cool, man, that you're like, uh, you and your dad are so like, into it together
0: uh we've done it all together you know like that's that's
1: awesome do you have brothers that fish or
0: no i have i have um three sisters and a brother and none of them fish (laughs) so i was the youngest i was the youngest of five so um i was like dad's fishing partner yeah so now as an adult i have all these opportunities to take him so that was like for me to give my dad an opportunity to catch three swordfish in a day (sighs) so cal dude i don't know i don't know that anyone's done it one angler three in one day i don't know yeah i'm not saying he's the only one yeah but um we went in, weighed the weighed the two fish, and uh, got back to the dock. I called Michael. I go, look, man. I go, when I, when I used to help out commercially in Florida, I never cut these things, man. We just cored them out and threw them in ice. Like we, My buddy dealt with it. So he came down and helped me cut the fish. Oh, that's Got cool, the first man. one done. Kind of got me dialed in on the, taking care of them. So for us on the boat, we're always really big in taking care of what we catch. Like, I will not put any more bluefin on the boat than can be put in kill bags, you know, dunked in ice. Yeah. I, I will not lay fish on the back. I, I'm not... I can't do it for me. If you're going to kill it, you need to take care of it. Yeah. So these swordfish we have on the boat, we have kill bags to put them in. I mean, our fish go straight into ice. They're bled. Mm-hmm. They're well taken care of. You know, I don't just drag them around on the swim step. Yeah. Really. I don't do it. Yeah. So we got those two and uh, I had a couple of my regular customers saw it and they're like, Hey, can we go do that? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can do it again, but let's see. Yeah. So one of my regular guys that, um, I help him run his boat out of Dana point he says, I want to do it on my boat on Monday. I said, well, I said, you know, I, I have everything dialed on my boat. I said, I know you love your boat. I said, but if you want to catch one, come up with me. All the spots are marked. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a feeling I understand this zone. So he came up with his two buddies and met me up at the, at the boat and we went out and we drifted for, I think we had two good drifts for three or four hours and the guys are looking at me like, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting that look, which, which is crazy because when we fished them in Florida, yeah. we missed all the time. We didn't catch them every trip. There were trips when we got five. There were trips when we got none. Yeah. But this expectation that, oh, we're just going to go out and catch a swordfish. And I literally looked at them and I told them a couple comments of comments of times when we used to catch them in Florida. There were certain things that lined up. And I said, hey, that's going to happen around, I think it was 2 o'clock. But the problem was there was a storm coming in. And it was gonna start blowing and raining. It said by one thirty. Yeah. But we were there at one o'clock and it still wasn't blowing. And two o'clock this this certain thing that I like was gonna happen. And they're looking at me, go, Yeah, bullshit, you said that before, blah, blah, blah. Oh, fuck. And um all of a sudden we're we're kinda of bullshitting with each other and we look over and the, the tip rod's completely slack. I looked over and I said, You got a swordfish on there and they're like, Come on. <laughs> so they ran back and started cranking You and, felt uh, like two
1: thousand when you, when you caught it before, huh? When oh, the guy told you that you're yeah. like super shit.
0: So rat. So rad. <laughs> So, uh, you know, he cranks that one in. That one jumped all over the place, crashed around. It was bitching. It, um, we got that one boated and uh, got it on the boat, weighed it in. It was 188 pounds. And that was, yeah. you know, bled out and threw its whole stomach up. Yeah. And it was right around that 200-pound mark, I'm sure. And uh, I had done it again. You know, I was like, oh, this is so rad. I was so lucky. And, and it feels
1: like, good you, fig- you figured it out here.
0: Well, we didn't know if we'd figured it out. We knew that we had had two good trips in a row.
1: What do you considered figured out? How many trips?
0: I don't know. I, I think now do you think you
1: figured it out. Now
0: I don't want to say that. <laughs> what I what I will say is that. Hey, stop being I'm fucking seeing humble, Bill. We that, seen you
1: what you did this year, man.
0: What I'm seeing is that there is a trend to what we're okay. doing. So I'm seeing a trend on my meter. Uh-huh. I'm seeing a trend on my my charts. That that there are certain areas that I'm getting. So you getting feel like if you if you've
1: done it for a couple of years consistently, you figured it out.
0: Yeah, I think if if um, you know, this season happens again and everything goes the way it should. Then you figure it you know? out. So we ended up okay. that, that trip I finished up. I needed to go in the magazine to finish up some stuff for a couple days. And then Friday I had another charter and this is a brand new guy called me out of the blue, saw it on Instagram for swordfish. Hey, I wanted a swordfish. Oh, he said, shit. I got my cow tuna this year and, and I want to catch a swordfish. And this guy used to have a big Viking and all this stuff. And, um, so here I, I grabbed one of my neighbors, um, he had helped me he he knows his way around a boat and stuff and i said, you know it's only gonna be one guy i said you want to come help me out he's like oh god i want to see how you're doing this you know so we went out and literally within the first 45 minutes we had 130 pound swordfish up on the boat and i'm like wow so this is super cool like this is this is like a dream like just seeing one is anyone
1: else doing this at this time swordfish charters
0: um, I think Brandon Hayward had been doing he was it on since bite September. Too. He was on that bite too. Yeah. So, but not where we were, he, he's okay. fishing a completely different zone yeah. and um, he had jumped on it and went full speed. I think they, they had a bunch of trips early on mm-hmm. and um, had seen some pretty good success, you know, him and um, uh, Wes, his other yeah. captain, it was impressive, man. I mean, they were, they were on it and um, so yeah, there, they, he had been kind of on it. I think there was a few private guys that had caught in some fish, but still pretty shaky. You know, there hadn't been a real consistent, Oh my God, every time I go out here, I get a bite. Yeah. And, um, then I ended up having to go back and finish up the magazine for like five days straight. And I was just chomping at the bit to go back out. (laughs) I bet I was Um. dying. I'm like, man, we've had all these good trips and I just, I can't do the schedule that these other guys can do. I have this other company that I have to run. So I did, um, the five days at the magazine and, um, one of my buddies, Pete, He's a good friend of mine, and uh, he really wanted to catch one. And I had the kids with me for the day, and I'm like, all right, let's just get on the boat and go do a half day on Sunday. You take all three kids with you? I had two. But okay. The middle one didn't want to go. He usually wants to go, but the 6-year-old and the 12-year-old wanted to go. I have okay, three boys. It's fun, dude. So we went out. We did our drift. There was probably 25, 30 boats there because now word had gotten out that this zone had had fish. And it was getting tough to fish. Mm -hmm. I mean, people were right on top of you. Whatever you did, I'd pull my gear and four guys would go up and pull it, you know, and kind of, they're trying to be on it and trying to figure it out. And I totally understand. And, um, we slid down, put our stuff out and nobody had caught a fish in there and the rod started bouncing and bang, we had one on. So we, we got that one up real quick, threw it on the boat. And, and you uh, had your
1: kids there to see it.
0: Yeah. Good. So Eric and Jimmy, <laughs> Eric and Jimmy were up the way uh-huh. and he called, I, I was texting him back and forth and he goes, dude, why don't you bring it over here and get a boat to boat shots? So I'm like, oh, it's rad. It was, it was straight up fun. I mean, we were, we were having a good time. We were catching fish and, um, and I'm
1: sure that one fish with your kids was like, oh, I'm stoked. They're, well, they're so like, that,
0: that one was really cool. And then I ended up running a couple more charters, got a couple more guys, fish a couple of nice ones. And, um, I had promised. So my, my 12 year old was on the boat that day. And my wife was pissed that I let my buddy catch it and not my twelve year old because oh. I had promised him <laughs> I was going to get him a marlin the year before and I just didn't have the time to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I pulled him out of school a couple of weeks later after I was done with some charters. And uh, one of my buddies came along to help me out, and we slid up uh, to a little different areas, nobody around, and uh, we hooked one within an hour and a half. I had my twelve year old on one. Oh. so I got him. You know, he wound it all in by himself. It's all we in the gunnel, but not. You know, it is what it is. But um, his fish jumped all over the place, and before we even got the buoy to the boat to unclip the buoy, his fish was jumping all over the side of it. it was pretty rad, dude. Did you have that on video? Oh yeah, it, uh-huh. it's on my oh, YouTube. A- oh cool. Yeah, on my Instagram, I got the video of my twelve year old catching yeah, yeah. his fish, and uh, so I don't. I don't know that there's any kids that have caught him on the west coast i think he's probably one of the first yeah so that's pretty cool yeah that was a uh, a pretty special day dude i got a mount coming for his room so
1: that's awesome he's really excited is
0: he into fishing too he is he uh, his middle name's marlin <laughs> so my kids it's funny my, my first kid's middle name was marlin second kid i convinced my wife to name him fisher and then my third kid Your second
1: kid's name's Fisher Yeah
0: And then my third kid Was like kind of out of the blue So he's he's named after me He's the third
1: Oh okay That's
0: cool Yeah he kind of got the, the Well
1: everyone does I do all A's Andrew, Adam, Axton Oh that's interesting Yeah But it's the worst thing ever Because you just A, A, A It's like ah, Adam, ah, You know and you're yelling you're, right. You call them all you, I'm sure you do the same thing With your kid. You just call kids Different names
0: Yeah you days. get three names And one yeah. of them's gonna be and right
1: And they drive you nuts all the time I'm sure Just like me Oh uh, yeah
0: The boys are <laughs> tough they my po- my poor wife, yeah. So <laughs> So yeah, so we ended up doing uh we did fifteen wait, wait, did we do yeah, fifteen trips between wow. November fifteenth, November fourteenth and December twentieth. We had twenty six bites, hooked fourteen fish Dude, that's and amazing. boated boated eight. And the fourteen, the number fourteen, those those five or six were all within out of the five or six, four were within nine feet, you know, on Dude. the leader, just pulled the hook right there. Yeah. You know, saw them; they're right there. Well, oh, they're yeah, laying right yeah, there, yeah. just out of reach, yeah. and you can't use a harpoon here uh, in the in the sport fishery. Yeah. So we have to have them within, you know, gaff range. In Florida, we could throw a harpoon at them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Which is a little bit of a benefit, but um, you know, it it you know, but we had a lot of success. I mean, some of the ones we pulled hooks, my one of my videos that I have up, this fish jump jumped at the boat really hard. I mean, you see it jumping at the boat, slammed in the side of the boat. Yeah, and um, that guy we had. Set out the baits, and we were bit before I had my second rod out. The buoy was already laying over, and we were bit. This is gray light. And we got that fish to leader. I took two wraps on it, went to swing the gaff, and it just popped off. Just pulled the hook. And he was devastated. I mean, this poor guy. He spent, he said, thirty. He said the last swordfish he hooked was 37 years ago.
1: How does it make you feel?
0: And I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) I'm trying to explain to him that in reality. I'm
1: sorry, I'm sorry, man. In
0: reality, he caught the fish. Yeah. It's a caught fish. I mean, a a billfish to the leader is a codfish but yes. he didn't get to eat it you know what i mean
1: yeah no, so makes we, sense. we
0: slid up the hill put the baits back out and we had one on right away again and that, yeah. that we got him his his first swordfish and that was like amazing but we've had some experiences with him at the side of the boat that's super gnarly i mean you got to be really careful
1: i bet dude Did you try to ram your boat and stuff
0: oh that i was just overdoing boat work today and the, the whole side of my boat scratched up pretty bad oh, from swordfish right. bills but we had that that guy's fish if you see the video so what ended up happening is we the the fish was coming at the boat. It was charging the boat, mm-hmm. and uh, it jumped completely out of the water, like maybe ten feet off the boat. Dude, landed, shot toward my bracket in the back, smashed into the bracket, broke its bill off at the base. No way! Fuck. And it spun around upside down, and then righted itself and started coming at me again. And we got the gaffs in it. But the crazy part is it was it was hooked behind the dorsal fin. It was it was snagged, and I'm like, man. Is that why he was jumping so crazy? I mean, this fish jumped all over beyond mm-hmm. just jumping at the boat. And I couldn't figure it out. So I looked back at my footage, and I started taking uh, screen grabs. And I figured out when he was jumping at the side of the boat, the hooks weren't in him at all. You can see the squid and the hook flying next to him like two feet off the side no of him. No way. So I went back and figured out we had him in the mouth. He was originally correct. Tossed. And he ended up, this is the guy who had just pulled the hooks on one earlier. Yeah. Okay. So this fish jumped through the hooks, wrapped itself up and snagged itself again. Thank God. Oh. And we got him. <laughs> but I showed my customer. I go, look, bro, you just, you're a lucky son of a bitch because that right. wasn't supposed to happen. Dude. But it's cool. I've got these pictures on my, on my Instagram that, yeah. that you can see the the squid and the hook flying to the side of it. That's wild, dude. It's pretty rad. Yeah. So, so we kind of closed up shop for the, the end of the year there. I think the fish are kind of here into January a little bit, but. I don't think there's now enough here to, ta- yeah, to take, yeah, to take people's yeah. charter money. I think it's kind of tough. Yeah, I want to kind of wait. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Um, is uh, it
1: only a cold water? Uh, they're, they're no, only during cold water. Or something? No, 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 no.
0: We we used to see them, you know, in May when we were fishing thresher sharks down below. So I think I'm, you know, this season I'm starting to take deposits on trips from August through December is what I feel okay. comfortable with that I know that there's quality for sword for swordfish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We book, you know, we do Catalina and we do bluefin and all that, but I really, for taking people's deposits and locking down dates, I think August through December is what I'm comfortable with. I feel like there's enough fish here to really have a good shot. We don't want to take people out just to sit and drift for nothing.
1: No, I understand. You know? And, uh, what's your charter? So I let's, when did you start doing the charter?
0: So, you know, I, for years had been taking advertisers out you know, when we had advertisers in town, I ran them out on the boat caught mm-hmm. them fish, took them tuna fish, and took them this and that. Finally, one day, I'm like, you know what? I, I ended up getting a a, a new Parker twenty three twenty from from Kevin over at West Coast, which is the prime boat as far as a small charter boat goes. It's okay. about as cool as it gets. You know, there's tons of deck space, and um, went back got my captain's license. I already had the hours, and uh, started this two thousand. I think I started it mid 2018
1: oh wow so it's pretty recent yeah yeah
0: yeah i had been like i said before i wasn't doing it for money i was doing it when i had an advertiser in town
1: do you feel like you still do it kind of almost for fun like you just love going out and taking people
0: so the the swordfish thing has been a total resurgence of excitement for okay. me in the fishery like for me the the bluefin thing was rad i mean we had we had one of the the early 200 pounders in 2016 it was early july we got it fishing a completely different technique. We got it on a downrigger the way I fished tuna for years. And, um, you know, we did it for years, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. love bluefin fishing. It's great. But this has been something that's gotten me, you know, I've traveled all over the world. I've done tons of different stuff, and this is just really exciting.
1: Get you pumped up again, huh?
0: yo dude, getting on the boat. I mean, I literally was staying up. Writing for the magazine and doing my magazine work till three in the morning, getting on the boat at four, running a charter. You know, I was just <laughs> and I was excited to do it. It wasn't like, yeah. Oh man, I gotta run another trip. Yeah. It wasn't like that.
1: That's cool. It Does, was uh, awesome. Have you took your wife out to do it yet?
0: No, she doesn't like the boat.
1: She doesn't what do you mean? You gotta take her out?
0: No, no, no. She she'll go with us over to Catalina and hang yeah. out, you know, but she doesn't fish at all. No, 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 no. Which is just fine. Yeah. I think that's my, good.
1: My wife's a vegetarian, bro, so Oh well,
0: well, there you
1: go. <laughs> uh my bring my wife on my wife I took her on one trip out she doesn't like the ocean so I took her out on my first trip I think it was like three years ago and I have a little 17 foot low 60 it's fine um, but she watched me I think I caught like a like a big ray or like a big halibut but it's on bass gear right and it took the whole I put the rod down for a second this was before I, I caught that ray and she she drove the boat around and then I put a Fenwick rod down with like a Corrado brand new pulled it right over the boat I put it down. It was with the hookup, bait. And this is a long time ago when it first came out, and it, it it pulled it right over the boat. But it's cool hearing like uh, you know wives if they like fishing, it's fun, you know. Yeah, I f- try to get my wife into it. Like I think well, she'll probably come at the show and hang out, you know. Like, but she's just it's. I think it's hard to get your
0: wives to into your hobbies. So my my two experiences with my wife. I've been with my <laughs> wife. We've known each other since we were 11 years old. We've been oh, dating since we, were, cool, since we were since we were 18. And uh, when I was 18, I bought this little old. Fourteen or fifteen foot Sportster that we bought off some surfer in San Clemente. I- yeah. or San Clemente it had a little old Chrysler motor on it, and uh, the starter didn't work, so we used a rope. We would take the cowling off and we would pull start it. Oh, and uh, I took her. I was all proud of myself, and I thought I was pretty badass of my little <laughs> my little piece of shit boat. And uh, but it got me fishing. Yeah. and I was proud of that boat. Yeah. And uh, I remember to this day, I took her out and we slid over to the fuel dock in Dana Point. And I pulled up and I went to tie up and the kid that, that was real cocky at the fuel dock, he walked up to me and he says, Hey, do you have a rope besides the one that you start your boat with to tie up? Oh, in front of my girlfriend. What a dick. And I was like, Wow, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I remember being like just wanted to just push hey, off the dock and not get touche, fuel. Touche. Yeah, I was like, Fuck, it's such a jerk. <laughs> and I remember when we got our nicer boat, you know, I remember pulling up the fuel dock and feeling like a big shot, you know, hey, after dickhead, being kid, put my fuel in. Yeah, being made fun of for my my pull starter. <laughs> And, uh, so we did that and she kind of, eh, wasn't really her thing. And then we got the new boat, the the old new boat. What and, did you
1: have before this, this boat?
0: Uh, we bought it in 2001, I guess when I was 21, dad and I bought this trophy. It was okay. a 23 trophy that had a gas motor in it. And, um, it was just, it was in the range that we could, you know, we could afford and, and it yeah. got us to the grounds and it worked out great for us. And, uh, so I took her out sand bass fishing us back when we had sand bass that lived here. And uh, we went down to the uh, the oyster beds or whatever off Oceanside, yeah. We anchored up, and within about 10 minutes, she was puking over the side. Oh, fuck. and I had run down there, and I was like, dude, I burned fuel, I didn't have any money. And I was like, I don't want to, I'm not going back. It was, it was what dad are you and I, thinking, dad, dad, and I and and You her. can't do
1: that in front of dad, huh?
0: No, dad's looking at me like, why'd you bring this girl? <laughs> so we, um, we uh, I looked at her and she's puking her guts up, and my dad had bought this electronic bracelet, this was. 19 years ago he bought this electronic bracelet called a relief band yeah and he uh he pulled it out of his box because he gets seasick he takes a patch or whatever every yeah. time we fish and uh, he took it out and he's like i've never used this but let's try it and we put it on her and she literally went downstairs and read a book for the rest of the trip never threw up again
1: oh that's awesome i was
0: like wow i carry four of those on my boat for passengers oh so you can still get them they're around now they yeah forever they've, they've been what, around what are they called
1: you don't know what it's they're called,
0: called a relief called. band
1: and where can get them at
0: Online, I mean, they have them all over. Oh, yeah, they have a that's website great. I mean, just
1: to have them. like, oh, even We filmed a pilot, and even the dude that was filming uh, was throwing up. And we were we were fishing calico bass, like, on the beach. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, it, people
0: get it really easy. Well, I had a customer this year. I, I wasn't carrying them all the time, but I had one that was, like, half battery out. And I had a customer this year puking his guts up, and he's like, I don't want to try it. I do want to try it. Finally, he put it on, and he stopped throwing up. And he started catching fish and having a good time. The battery ran out. He started peeking that his is guts so up again. Weird, it's dude. amazing. I, I don't know how it works. I don't understand it, but it's it's pretty cool.
1: No, that's cool. Pretty cool. So, yeah.
0: so that's that was kind of a you know but for me I, I, I grew up fishing the docks at Davies Locker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when they had the bait in the tanks there, my dad took me there since I was three years old. We used to sit there. I caught my first legal halibut when I was five years old there. Dude, I was on the forever, I, it, man. I was on the cover of Western, out, uh, Western Outdoor News, which I always send over to them because we're kind of, not competitors, but I always, I always post that picture up you know, of <laughs> me on the, on the cover of Western Outdoor you're News. You just it's just kinda fucking bust your balls a little. <laughs> yeah, and then my dad, so he started taking me out of kindergarten, like back in, this was 85, 86. Yeah. And um, the yellowtail used to be all over horseshoe kelp. I mean, it went crazy wow. up there. And my dad took me out of kindergarten, took me up on the victory and we went out and I got my first yellow tail when I was five dude. and I, I took it in an ice cooler to my kindergarten class. My dad took the time off work, brought it in to, to show, show all the own. kids that I would caught this, <laughs> this tail. That's awesome. It was dude. on ice. It was like the coolest thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. My dad kind of, you know, through time, I got my first marlin when I was 11, my dad took me to Cabo, you know, he just always kind of kept me in the, yeah. in the loop trying to get me into the different things. So it was pretty rad.
1: So cool, man. Great story. Um, Is there anything else you want to touch on, like for the show or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think, um, you know, our show, the the interesting thing is, you know, we'll have guys show up there and kind of look at it and go, oh, it's a little smaller. It's not like a Fred Hall show. You know what I mean? But we're not trying to be a Fred Hall show. Fred Hall is an awesome show. It it is big. It's got hunting. It's got freshwater. It's got all kinds of cool stuff. We're different. We're more a private boater based. Um, Our seminars are private boater based. It's not a you know there's not a bunch of freshwater stuff it's 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 very focused on what we do but
1: don't get me wrong you do have i mean there's a little like reebs there's there's dudes that 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 are there that are based it's, it, i mean if you're a freshwater guy usually oh, no, these guys they're, cross they're, over to calico or spotty i personally i had a great time last year it was i, I liked it because it was calm so like i could take my kids walk them through it was calm get some food you know, have a couple beers. It was, it was a lot of fun. You well, know? I think
0: there, there definitely are freshwater products there. I mean, yeah. there's tackle stores there. I yeah. mean, they're selling yeah. what they're selling. But I think um, we just don't have a lot of the random stuff. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of random stuff. So we've tried to keep it to very, very pure to fishing. You know what I mean? Which keeps it a small. It's it a is, small show. It it's not a huge show. I think um, the value in coming to our show, a lot of it is the seminars. The seminars are absolutely, you know, hands down. There's, there's no other... Boat show or anything that I've been to that there's two or three hundred people with standing room listening to speakers speak. Right, it's pretty. We're proud of that. Yeah, you know it's it's been a it's been a, a long road putting the show together and getting it together. And um, I think we have a great set of vendors. I think we have awesome speakers. We have tons of boats. All the big boat brands. We're gonna have uh, Blackfin, Boston Whaler, Parker boats, Defiance Absolutely. boats. I mean, there's a lot of different boat companies.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of boats down that middle aisle. Too. Yeah, and
0: they're all. You know, they're for our area. Yeah. There's not a bunch of random stuff. It's, yes. it's, it's our stuff. So we're really proud of that. And, uh, you know, being our 11th year, I think people understand our show for what it is. You know, it's, it's, I agree. it's something special. It's an orange County show.
1: Yeah. So, uh, where can they find all the information out about the show? If they want to come check it out?
0: Um, you can go to, uh, festival that has, uh, we'll be updating it with the new vendors for this year. And our seminar schedule I think is up there gives you the, the By hours the time this is
1: out it'll be updated right
0: yeah the, the okay. hours for the show and all that will be there um you can look on pacific coast sport fishing's facebook page we'll have updated stuff great we're gonna be giving away that's the other thing i i totally blew and forgot to talk about here <laughs> we're gonna be giving away um a three-day four-night fishing trip to tropic star lodge for two guests wow. which is like a just under ten thousand dollar trip amazing uh we're gonna be giving that away saturday at four o'clock you got to be present um but as all you do is fill out your ticket and put it in the box um Friday, we're going to be giving away a Traeger grill. And Sunday, um, I'm going to be giving away a uh, swordfish charter for a couple of guys on my boat wow, to awesome. uh, come out and check it out and, and see the swordfish stuff. So we're going yeah. to have some good giveaways. We always give uh, the first 50 people through the door, get a free beer. I don't think any other show does that. That's kind of cool. Hey,
1: guys, show up early. Yeah, so we kind of <laughs> do that. We have a bunch of giveaways for people when they first yeah. get there.
0: And it's it's more of a, you know, a cool hangout relaxing. There's not people climbing all over you and stuff. gives the vendors a chance. If there's somebody that you really want to learn about their product, if there's somebody that you want to talk to them about their boat and don't want 8,000 people climbing all over you, this is the place. It's the opportunity to talk to the real guys. Um, the guys from G-Fly will be there with a booth. You can learn about the flying fish and stuff. Um, the guys from, uh, SoCal deep drop will have a booth there to talk to you about their swordfish baits. Yeah. And, um, it's an opportunity to walk up and talk to a guy who runs a commercial buoy boat that understands this fishery probably better than anybody. Yeah. And where else are you going to have the opportunity to go in there and talk to that guy?
1: No, I agree. It was, a, it was a great time. I'm super stoked to be able to do uh we're doing our hundredth episode there. So it's going to have a, we'll have Jeff Walker, cool baits will be there. Uh, CJ Conrad, and there's some other guys we're going to confirm but it's going to be fun and we're celebrating our 100th uh, episode i don't know which one it's going to be but we're celebrating 100 episodes at the event and it'll be fun i'll be there all three days it'll be fun come support uh everyone because i think it's really cool what everyone's doing you're doing too you know like all these guys here work hard for what they're doing for the fishing industry and they'll come out and support them you know
0: yeah that's what we've we've definitely tried to keep the the core guys involved in this Mm -hmm. and um Give them an opportunity to, to get in front of the our readers of the magazine. I mean a big yeah. a big part of our show audience are the guys who read our magazine that get to be re- read about these different lodges and get to read about these different products and techniques and, and guys like Eric Landisfine, he's gonna be there talking at seminars. You guys have probably read a ton of his stuff. Come out and meet him, shake yeah. his hand. Yeah. Talk to him.
1: And hopefully we'll have a lot of these guys come by the booth. I think Bobby's gonna be there. Eric will be there. Um all kinds of dudes. I'm. I mean, I'm going to try to get people. I think Benny will probably come by. Um, a lot of the past guests. I'm going to try to get them on for a little bit, and hopefully some new guests. So again, come please come out and uh, check this out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, what can they check your charters that you at? at?
0: So my my charters is uh, Pacific Bills Charters dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of gives you a rundown of what our prices are and what we're doing. Um, for this year. Great.
1: Well, so. thanks. Hey. I don't think you seem nervous at all, dude. This was a great podcast. Dude,
0: you talk just fine. I don't know about that. <laughs>
1: hey, another thing. We love our wives. We're just kidding around when we yeah. say them.
0: Oh yeah, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> hey, I, thanks I again, agree.
1: Bill, for coming on. I appreciate it. Man. Okay, thank you. All
0: right.